Hi, I'm Susan Foch, and when I was 18 years old, I launched a national nonprofit organization out of my freshman college dorm room. Now, with almost a decade of experience under my belt, I'm here to teach you my tried and true tips and tricks for running your own nonprofit or social enterprise and how to build it from the ground up. You're listening to this podcast because you're ready to make a difference in this world. I see you, I hear you, and I'm ready to help you. Now let's make an impact together. You guys should be so stoked for today's interview. Kylie Hodges is one of the most energetic, outgoing, and talented business coaches that you're going to find today. Not to mention, she's just a stellar, hysterical, wonderful human being. She's currently an entrepreneur, but she's also been an HGTV producer, a red carpet reporter, a producer for Cosmopolitan. She's also been a professional hot dogger, which I will let her explain. Kylie now runs a business called Wing Woman Collective, which helps people grow and scale their businesses and also their lives, just reaching new heights and understanding that totally new levels are possible for you. And she's also a stellar networker. And after you listen to her talk for a little bit, you'll totally understand why. So Kylie, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. I am so stinking appreciative of it. In a more expansive way, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and basically how you got to where you are today? My name is Kylie Hodges. I'm the founder of the Wing Woman Collective. Um, And what that means is that I am a business and life coach with a strong emphasis on networking. Um, My resume is a little unique in the sense that a lot of people look at it and go, what happened here? But it all makes sense to me. Um, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, and I studied radio TV film at University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Uh, Coincidentally, also where our lovely host Susan went to college. Um, (laughs) And uh, I also uh, got a degree in Spanish. I love to talk to people and knowing another language opens up another world of people I can talk to. Um, my dream job as a child was to drive the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And the only reason that I knew that was a job was because, uh, I grew up in the town where the Wienermobile lived. So I saw it driving around all the time. And when I was in high school, filling out scholarship applications for college, a lot of the scholarships said, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, driving the Wienermobile. And that answer got me some scholarships. So that was pretty great. And by the time college was wrapping up, uh, you know, junior year, you have to ask yourself, where do you, where do you see yourself in the real world after you get that diploma? And my mom had said, Kylie, you know, the Wienermobile job wasn't just a great idea for a, um, a scholarship essay. It, it's really a job. You should apply for it. So um, I applied online, which is rare. Normally they recruit at some of the top PR and marketing universities in the country. Um, and you know, by whatever powers that be my online resume somehow actually made it in front of the hiring manager. They gave me a call and, um, I made it to the first round of interviews. The top 90 applicants out of over 2000 candidates get called in to Madison for a live 48 hour interview. And I did it. It was the most amazing job I've ever had. I traveled the country with um, 11 other hot doggers um, and I was the national spokesperson of the brand. So I was on the Today Show 
AOL.com. I got to close the belt, the New York Stock Exchange. And with my degree in um, TV producing was essentially what I wanted to do. I realized that year on the road that I deeply loved <laughs> being on camera and really wanted to um, take the microphone and turn it on to other people and be an entertainment host. So when that job wrapped up, uh, I moved to Los Angeles and I worked my butt off for five years as a reality TV producer by day and a red carpet entertainment journalist by night. I was hustling my way through Hollywood. It was exhausting and I learned a lot. And what I realized was that I really deeply cared about connecting with people and I really did not care about the entertainment industry as a whole. So that was when I realized um, that industry wasn't for me. That non-existent work-life balance and entertainment did not work for me. I left the industry, spent a year trying to figure out what I'm doing with my life and freelancing in any way possible. I was producing for cosmopolitan.com. I started working in a, um, a meal delivery company's kitchen on the weekends, packing meals just to pay for my life coach at the time. And uh, then I ended up falling into a conversation with a woman starting a tech startup who was looking for someone to run the sales and marketing team. And I was a big fan of the, the app. It was all about um, creating community and connecting with your neighbors. And I loved that idea. And I thought it was very beautiful. And so I joined the team. I was on that for two years. And during those two years, I really learned about how beautiful and exciting the world of entrepreneurship is. And from there, I knew that I didn't want to stay in tech forever. And so I started to develop a side business where I was networking for other people. And I started um, networking for coaches and service-based entrepreneurs. And from there, I realized those coaches don't just need someone to be networking for them. They need someone to teach them how to be better networkers. And also, why is networking not working out for them? Well, it sounds like they have a sales problem. And so from there, it spiraled into, aha, people don't need someone to do things for them. They need someone to coach them through being better salespeople. And so that is where we land today as Kylie Hodges, the business coach. I only knew the very peak <laughs> highlights of that story from following you on Instagram and like the few times I've met you in person. I know we said this before I started recording. So the first time I ever saw you, you were a keynote speaker at my freshman odyssey at UW Oshkosh. And then the next time was, I think two years later, uh, we were sorority sisters. So you came back for homecoming for a speech or an honor of some sort. And so I just came by the house to like meet you. <laughs> so I've only seen these like peak highlights of your life. I never knew how they like inter like interwove with each other. Um, so something yeah. though you said that I really want to ask about, cause I just did this tonight with mm -hmm. you. I feel like there are so many people that have great resumes that could be great at pitching themselves, but it's always easier to pitch someone else than pitch yourself. Why yeah. is that? And what bridge mm. can people, like, how can people get over that essentially? Like yeah, how to pitch themselves? Question. Yeah. Well, I have a couple answers to that. First of all, ask yourself, like journal about this. Why is it that I feel more comfortable talking others up than myself? Is it because I don't believe in myself? Is it because I really, this person is my best friend and I can see no wrong in her and I can see so much wrong in myself, which is common. We are our own worst critic, right? Mm -hmm. So once you can answer that question, then say like, 
why can't I also be my best cheerleader if I can be my own worst critic? If you're trying to pitch yourself, depending on the situation, um, you know, when it comes to when I was networking coaching, I always told my clients that when you're networking, you should be doing almost no talking because honestly, if you're trying to connect with people, then it's not about you. And you just need to be a detective and ask a lot of questions to figure out who is the person standing right in front of me. Let's get to know this person. They're going to be so flattered. Not a lot of people are good listeners in networking situations. So you will be memorable just for listening and asking attentive questions. And eventually that person will become a little self-conscious when they realize they've been talking about themselves a lot. And then they'll turn the table on you and they will really be invested in who you are and what you have to say. But that isn't quite pitching themselves. So if someone's pitching themselves, I imagine this is like a situation where um, they're like applying for a job or maybe they're just working in sales in an environment where it's a more pitching situation. And, you know, to that I say, you need to be concise and confident in your delivery because people are only going to give you like, 10 seconds maximum before their brain decides to think about something else. So what is only the most important things that somebody needs to hear about you deliver that first and deliver it as if you truly believe it. And maybe that means you have to deliver it as if you're talking about your best friend, not yourself. Ooh, Does that really make like sense? That as like a tip. I love that. That was a lot so, of tips wrapped up in one. I don't know what happened there. No, but just like your <laughs> ending bit where you said like kind of pretend like you're pitching your best friend, like yeah. you would be pitching yourself. So on that note, you said something about that someone will always decide within the first 10 seconds, like if they kind yeah. of are interested in you or not. I've always heard that a first impression is made within like seven seconds. So yes. if you're meeting someone for the first time, or if you're coaching someone, working with someone, what is the first thing you tend to recognize and see about someone? And like, what's the strongest point? What's not? Yeah. You mean like, depend? no matter who I'm talking to, what do I just notice about people at first? Yeah. Oh, that's a difficult question. Well, okay, Susan, you could answer now you're that. starting to ask me, what are your internal biases towards human beings? <laughs> well, that's you. I guess, okay, how about in a network, in a professional sense, not like if someone walked up to you in a bar and you would like notice their purple hair color, but like if you're in a networking situation and someone came up to you to introduce themselves, what's, the, what's your first impression of them? Yeah. Well, first of all, um, you know, I have always been someone who's been the pursuer, not the pursuee. So I'm always shocked when people come up to me and I love it. I want to connect with people, but I want to make a point that our internal biases show up whether we're networking or at a bar. And that, um, in my networking that monetizes group program, um, some of my students would talk about that and say like, Kylie, your experience as a white woman walking into a room is going to be different than my experience as a black woman or as an Asian man. And yes. It, and so the way that's just, that's just the way that I've um, been socialized as a person. Yes, I will have a different experience than they do. So while I hope, and I think all people hope that when they walk into a room, they notice people for who they are, or maybe that they seem nice. There's also probably stuff 
going on underneath that we don't know, we don't have an awareness around yet. I will say that like, I'm always going to be receptive to somebody that's like smiling. And as a woman on the other side of things, if someone tells me to smile, I'm like, don't tell me to smile, but (laughs) I want to see people smile. Right. Right. It's the world has socialized us to have a lot of double standards, but, and, and those tend to show up when networking, but to answer your question, I mean, I'm always going to be more receptive to somebody that just looks nice. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of biases that can go into what that definition is. And I'm really working on, I hope that it just means like, if, if I get a good energy from someone and I see their smile, that's it, right? Because you don't want to talk to somebody who's scowling. So while I don't want to be told smile, hey, Kylie, just smile. On the other end of the spectrum, I used to, I will still tell my students, like, even if you don't feel like smiling, just smile because it's going to pay off for you in that situation. Mm -hmm. Well, because I feel like smiling is also, it's an energy that you're putting out, right? It's not just a cute face. It's the fact that you seem a little bit warmer, a little bit more approachable for a conversation. So on that note, again, I've only met you like a couple of times. This is basically our real meeting for the first time. This, yeah, truly. (laughs) Welcome to 2020 Zooms. But here's the thing, from what I remember of you, like you are the kind of person who is super confident in like any room that you walk into. Again, I remember you like crashing in a sorority house, like in someone else's room you were like getting changed for some event. And I remember someone making a comment of you. I think it was even Kendra. And it was like, yeah, Kylie's just always been that like no bullshit kind of person, like just walk up to someone and say something. And (laughs) other people in a recruitment sense from a sorority perspective would be so nervous to go up and talk to someone. And Kylie would just be like, what the fuck are you upset about? Like, why are you nervous about? Like, just like, just go up and do it. And I love, I've always loved that approach. And clearly that's like stuck with me for six years. Yeah. So can you just like, how do you teach people to just be more confident, like going into a group of people where they don't know anyone? Like, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Well, okay. A couple of things. First of all, I do believe that somehow by the grace of God, I developed the confidence of a white male in a corporate environment. And I'm so grateful for that. I don't know how it happened. I'm going to thank my parents for that. But I, I, yeah, I have no issue talking to people. When I talk to my students, um, I used to always say, channel your Lizzo energy. You know, Lizzo is amazing because her songs, a lot of her music is just about how great she knows she is. Like, what is your Lizzo energy? Do you know that you have the warmest um, energy around people? Do you know that you're a great listener? Do you know that you have the best laugh? And if you don't know those things about you, call the five closest people in your life and say, what do they love about you? And you'll start to see themes of what you're good at. What are your um, traits that people resonate with? But you need to get clear on that and channel that Lizzo energy. So before, um, I always tell my students, you know, before you go to a networking event, in L- I live in Los Angeles. And so it's usually a lot of work to get to an event after work because traffic here is horrific. And it's not like in New York where you can hop on a subway and go to multiple different events in one night. You're usually just stuck driving across the city and you're married to that one event. So you've got to make it good. 
and traffic makes you angry. <laughs> if you've been sitting in rush hour traffic for an hour, it messes with your brain and it can make you grumpy. So I always tell my students when you park, flip down your mirror, crank your favorite energy pumping music and like look at yourself and give your own introduction to yourself in the mirror. Like do what you have to do to shake off that nasty traffic energy that will follow you if you let it into the room, shimmy it off. And remember, why am I here? I'm here for a reason. Maybe you're looking for clients. Maybe you really need a new job. Don't waste your own time. Give yourself the opportunity to make as many connections as possible. So that means elevate your energy in any way possible. And for me, that looks like blasting Lizzo and like putting on my lipstick in the mirror and being like, Kylie, you got this. <laughs> and sometimes I will go into the restroom as soon as I get to the networking event and I'll put on headphones and I'll like dance in the stall really quick because I don't know what it is, but like putting on Lizzo and dancing for a second just like gets me to another level. Oh my God. So I love that. <laughs> so kind of um, switching gears because that was amazing notes on networking. I love it. But so your business is called the Wing Woman Collective. Collective. Yes. So this podcast is for like nonprofit people and social. Sure. So what is a business wing woman and why should we have one? <laughs> oh my God. I love that question. Well, I've always, I consider myself a wing woman in the sense that whether I was hired to network for people or I'm teaching people how to network or I'm coaching people and starting a business, I'm always in your court and it is so important for early stage and even business owners who have scaled. I just, it is so important for everybody to have an advocate every step of the way in their life because we as humans walk around criticizing ourselves in our head all the time. And, um, you know, it's very hard to make decisions as a business owner because a lot of entrepreneurs have internalized that their business is about them. And so decision-making can be very hard when it feels like you're not just making a business decision, you're making a decision about your life and, and, it's, and your business might be a reflection of you. And to that, I say, you aren't your business, even though it's an, ex it, it's an extension of you, but you are not your business. And you need that advocate, that wing woman, that business coach to help you work out those ideas in a neutral environment and remove all of the fog of judgment that we have on ourselves so that you can strategize clearly and make clear decisions and, and scale and grow your business to what you want it to be, not what you're um, afraid it's going to become or what you think other people think it should be, but grow it to be what you want it to be. And sometimes you need, well, not even sometimes, everybody all the time needs a neutral party who is an advocate for your big goals to help you make decisions through every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. I just, I feel like I've never yeah. heard of people like being paid to network for other people. Yeah. Well, that's why that business no longer exists. I was going to say, never knows why. Listen up listeners. Yeah. <laughs> listen, 
a lot of people who start businesses, the first ones fail. That was my first failed business. And I learned so much from it. And I'm glad that it's in the past. Here's why. I was taking on clients who were, who had limited bandwidth to network, but they desperately needed to because they were working with clients one-on-one. And that was how they got a lot of business outside of just getting referrals. If there, if my client's problem was they're just one person and don't have time, I'm also just one person. So I'm taking that burden from them and putting it on me. So that meant I could only have a few clients at a time. And also there was a conflict of interest. When I'm networking, I would try to go to events for a specific client, but sometimes I would go to an event and realize I met someone who'd be a better fit for a different client. Now we have an issue because of the way that my pricing model was set up. They were um, paying for when I would go to events. So it's not fair to one client to be paying me to go to an event for them. And yet I'm slinging clients to a different client. You know what I mean? Right. So what I learned from that business was that so many people want to offload networking because they don't have clarity on why it can help them and how to do it strategically. And that is where I learned, okay, Kylie, let's pivot to teaching people how to network. Mm -hmm. And as I was doing that, I realized it's not just networking that business owners have problems with. It's sales. They have sales problems. They have marketing problems. They also just have um, overall foundational issues of like how to really create a functional business that supports them. Mm -hmm. Most of us aren't given those tools in life. School doesn't really teach you how to create a business unless you specifically go to business school. And even then, you might not actually learn how to start a business. Right. So, well, and I've done a lot of sales in my time, which I find funny because I've done nonprofit sales, which is mm-hmm. fundraising and asking for yep. donations. Yeah. And then actual for-profit sales, both like in PR for like a, a big coffee brand, whatever. And the funny thing is, I think people still look at sales like a like used car salesman, that yep. it's like really aggressive, that it's like this cheesy, hard-hitting thing. And yeah. that's kind of never what it is either. So what are some like sales secrets, especially when you're trying to sell yourself as like a service-based human? Mm, great question. So remember earlier when I was talking about um, with networking, the best networkers are rarely talking. They're always listening. Mm-hmm. Networking and sales are synonymous, you guys. It is one and the same. When you're networking, you're selling yourself, even if it's just because you want to connect with this person you might not be selling a product, but you're selling whatever. You're selling your agenda in the conversation. We're always selling something. Yes, sales does have a bad reputation and I 100% blame car salesmen for that. I'm car (laughs) shopping right now and experiencing it all over again. It hasn't changed in that industry. Um, But if you are a savvy business owner, then you believe in your product, even if your product is a service like mine, um, you believe in your product and you have gone into business because you know, at some level, your product is making a positive impact in the world. If you can believe that, then that is how you have to approach sales. It's not about how can I make money? It's what can I do to make an impact for others? I'm sure you've heard the saying, sales is a service. Mm -hmm. So be of service to people. When you're engaging with people, 
act like a detective and figure out, are they a good fit to be a potential customer? What does that look like? It means saying, tell me about you is the first thing. Instead of saying, hey, I'm Kylie, I'm a business coach. Let me tell you all these things about me. It's not about me. It's about the person I'm talking to. And you're gonna, if you realize that they are a good fit to be a customer or a client for you, then you are doing them a huge, wonderful service by, sh by sharing with them how what you have to offer, what you do for um, your service-based business or what your product is, how that product or service can help them with whatever problem they have. I like it. I love Sales it. Sales service, I, baby. I think what's funny is I feel like for people, both in nonprofits and in businesses, the two things that I think trip people up from making businesses, one, it's like the legalese and the financials and the literal like minutia of it. And then the fact mm -hmm. that if you're starting a business, you do have to sell like at some point and people get like icked out by it. So I yeah. like that more of the fact, and I also have a friend who is in pharmaceutical sales and she always says that she doesn't feel like a salesperson. She feels like an educator to ah, like those interesting. doctors. Pharmaceutical sales has a bad rep too. They do. And for, and I understand where a lot of that comes from, but when she has her perspective, she's like, cause I'm not trying to actively pitch the drug as much as I am just educating them on the benefits for their patients. For exactly. And so that's always made me kind of change my tune on that too, where like it's education, not exactly hard pitching. So I feel Channel like that's the same that thing. Yeah. energy about your business. Why is your business so great? Why is it making a massive impact on the world? Why does everybody need it? If you can think of it from a way of like, I'm helping you, then what's, the, what's car salesman-y about that? If you know that you're, um, I don't know, for, for Operation Not Alone, like mm -hmm. those packages are making a huge impact on people's lives. Why wouldn't you want to offer that to people? Mm. And if they don't want it, then that's fine. They're not in the place to be ready to um, invest or whatever. But, but when you can look at your business from a place of this is making a positive change in the world and you want to share it with everybody, that is the mindset that will eliminate the sleaze from sales. Can I just say that I love this? Cause I feel like I'm getting like a coaching hour from you, but like, yeah, I'll really invoice you later. Don't worry. <laughs> so I feel I'm like, just I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, even if you did, I'd be like, I understand. This is great. This is like therapy, but for business. And I love it. <laughs> exactly. That's why coaches get a lot of, you know, um, coaching has gotten very popular over the years. And so I think a lot of people have a lot of weird feelings about it, but like, that's the beautiful thing about coaching is a therapist will help you reflect on the past and like, you know, tear off the cobwebs and make sense of things. A coach will help you say, okay, we've got this fork in the road. Let's pull out the strength from within to figure out what's the best path for you. Like they're never going to, well, as a business coach, there is like a curriculum. There are things I will consult on, but really what it comes down to is I'm here to help you become your absolute best person. And as a result of that, the best business owner you can be. And like so many people could benefit from coaches. I mean, I would love to coach the world, but I'm just one person. But honestly, you should, cause like this, this vibe, I love it so much. So in, <laughs> so in that, 
idea though. And again, with, with networking, with confidence, commanding like a room, obviously Mm -hmm. we're in a COVID era. We can't do that in real rooms anymore. Like what's the best, how are you doing that or advising your clients to do that in an online presence now? Great question. COVID. What a time, huh? Um, (laughs) A couple things I say that. First of all, this, uh, you know, with quarantining and stay at home orders, um, has really shown a light on people, how much they value human interaction when they were a taking it for granted in the past or b not making time for it. So people are really craving it and they'll take it wherever they can get it. (laughs) You know, like they know that we can't meet up in person. Well, at least in Los Angeles, we're still totally shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, so to that, I say a couple of things. First of all, now is the time to tap into the network you already have. And here's all you have to do. You just need to start a conversation. And what that looks like is sit down for five minutes and just write names of every person that comes to your head. Just start writing them down. Anybody. And don't censor yourself. A lot of people will be like, oh, I don't think I should write down that person's name. I met them once. It'd be kind of weird if I reach out. Ah, 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 ah. None of that. Just any name that comes to mind, write them down. Even if it's your grandma, I don't care. Then you just send them uh, an email, a Facebook message, or I would absolutely love if it was a phone call, but I'm not going to like push your listeners too hard. So let's say an email and you just say, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How have you been doing? That's it. It's just a check-in. You just have to start the conversation. And people are, I mean, you might not get some responses, but you definitely will get some responses. And you are, since you're starting the conversation, you can guide it. You can say, last time we talked, you were doing X. How's that going now? Or how has COVID changed life for you? Here's what's going on for me. I'd love to connect. It's as simple as that. So re-engaging with the community you already know through email, Facebook messages, or phone calls, or texts. We know that you're strong and empowered. We know that you want to make an incredible impact on this world. And thankfully, there's an online boutique for you to represent that message every day. The Ona Boutique has two lines of t-shirts and engraved gold bar necklaces to remind you that you're capable of incredible impact on this world. And the proceeds benefit Operation Not Alone, a Wisconsin-based nonprofit supporting our troops, veterans, and mental health initiatives all across the country. Head to theownaboutique.com to shop their collections and get free shipping with the code IMPACT. That's theownaboutique.com and use code IMPACT. The next thing is, I mean... I'm not, this is not a innovative thought. Social media is meant to be social. It's not meant to be consumed silently and scrolling, which is what a lot of us tend to do without realizing it. But start engaging in conversations in environments that you want to be a part of. So for example, I love to follow a lot of celebrities and a lot of um, like big name CEOs, female CEOs, because I admire them and you on Instagram. And usually I'll just like their photo and move on. I would never comment because I always thought the comments were for their real friends, but I've started to do a thing now 
this is not revolutionary, by the way, where I comment on Amy Porterfield's post because guess what? I want to be her friend. And she's not going to be my friend if I'm just randomly liking her posts, but she might become my friend over time if I'm engaging with her content and starting a conversation. She's replied to some of my comments, not all of them, but like the idea of socializing on social media shouldn't be revolutionary. And yet for a lot of us, we forget that it's not meant to just be consumed. It's meant to be interactive. So put yourself in environments where you want to be, where grow yourself up into the person you want to be in a virtual way. Join Facebook groups for CEOs, even if you're thinking about a business and haven't started one yet and start talking to those people because it sounds like those are the people that will help, their stories will help give you the confidence to become them sooner rather than later. Mm. You know, if Reddit is your thing, I mean, there's so many threads on Reddit that you could engage in, but Reddit overwhelms me. But even on Instagram, start commenting on posts that you wouldn't normally comment on if they actually interest you and if you have something genuine to say. I do look, cause I feel like you're right where I, if it's like a big name person, I either wait for like their real friends to do it or these like hateful, like shitty comments that people write. They're yeah, just internet trolls. And so I feel like it's one of those two. It's not like an actual supportive stranger. So yeah. I like that that's something, cause it, you're right. It's not revolutionary, but it feels foreign to us at this it point. It feels which like is it. Dumb. And it shouldn't yeah. be, but it is. Well, tech is, as a person who worked for an app, I now understand the app wants to keep you in the app. And so it'll do things to keep you sucked in. So if you feel like you're a zombie on Instagram, zombie, uh, zombie, Instagram planned it that way. So mm. it's okay. Forgive yourself, put the phone down and go for a walk. But also, you know, if, if developing relationships is really important to you right now and you don't have the means to see a lot of people in person, which makes sense, then start carving out 10 minutes a day on your calendar or set a time, uh, an alarm on your phone where you spend 10 minutes and you're actually engaging, like actually starting conversations or jumping into conversations that are of interest to you. That's one way to just hold yourself accountable to like up-leveling yourself in a relatively easy virtual way. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if somebody like really wants to hardcore network right now, lucky for them, there are a lot of virtual networking events happening. In fact, I attended one today. Um, there's an organization called ladies get paid that I love. She, uh, Claire Wasserman is the founder and she's been doing a lot of virtual events for a while, but today was a bring your own lunch virtual networking event. And it was on zoom and she broke us out into separate zoom rooms. And it was great. I met eight other women from all over the country and we started an email chain. I also have done that with my business and I'm planning one soon, but I don't have a date to share. But if you go to wingwomancollective.com and get on my newsletter, you'll see when my virtual networking event will be coming up. But oh there are a lot of virtual networking events in communities online. You just have to ask for them, search them out and ask around for them. Interesting. I love it. First of all, I'll definitely share it when I see that date because I'm in your email newsletters. So I'll share it. Yay! <laughs> but thank the you funny so much. thing, as a very real life example, again, so I saw you speak once. Uh-huh. I met you in a sorority house once that you don't even necessarily remember, but we became Facebook friends after that. And <laughs> then it was when I announced this podcast like a week and a half ago that you commented 
for yourself and for another friend who has a nonprofit. And from there yeah. is when we got back into like a Facebook messenger conversation to like bring you yeah. on for this. So yeah. same thing. I never would have thought to have like asked you if you hadn't yeah, like commented and-, and engaged on that post. So to bring that full circle, meet Kylie now. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I mean, I, I also want to point out that I did a couple of things there, right? I, I recommended my friend because I knew she would be a good fit for this podcast. That's like something anybody can do. If you see something that you know, someone you know would be a good fit for, take the extra energy and share it with them or recommend them. It's, it's like networking 101, right? It's like you scratch someone's back, they'll scratch yours. And also it's goodwill. Let's not just think about it as a, how can I benefit from this? Mm -hmm. It really just is good karma. Um, And, you know, the world is very small and you never know when you'll need to call in a favor. Second thing is I asked for what I wanted in your comments. I knew that you had a podcast. I have a business. I'm always looking for visibility as should all of your listeners if they are social impact entrepreneurs. So ask for what you want. I straight up said, I would love to be a guest. Here's what I could talk about. Mm -hmm. You have to advocate for yourself. That's also like the main focus that I spend on with my clients is, yes, I'm advocating for your big goal as your client, but I need to give you the tools to advocate for yourself in your life because no one else is going to be able to hold your hand through everything in life. And sometimes you just got to ask and you shall receive. So here we are. And here, oh, that's the other thing too. I didn't ask for guests in that post. I just announced. Oh yeah, I told you that you should ask me. Yeah, no, but you were like, hey, you're like, this is my friend and I think she would be perfect for it. And also, by the way, I would also be perfect for it. And I was like, wow, yeah, great idea. I love it. (laughs) Did you even plan on having guests on this podcast? I was. Okay. (laughs) And I think I said somewhere in there like, that I would be inviting some of my like favorite, like nonprofit sector people. But then you jumped in and you're like, yeah, it should be me and this girl. And I was like, oh, okay. That's yeah. like a great idea. <laughs> well, and also because there are a lot of nonprofit people listening and you said something before we started recording that I want to touch on mm. in the world of, of social impact and people, it, most people who start a nonprofit do it from a place of like, They want to make so much good in the world. They Mm -hmm. want to change the world for the better. And uh, that's also space for the thought to come up of, and I shouldn't be paid for it. Mm -hmm. And I want all of your listeners to know that how much impact in the world can you make if you're spending all your time on something that isn't helping pay your rent, pay your groceries, give you a stable living? How much of a bigger impact can you make if that beautiful, generous entity that you've created that's making a change is also supporting you to get you to a space where you can grow it even more? Mm-hmm. I see that so much in, in entrepreneurs who say that, you know, I just want to make a change. I just want to do something, but I'll start a nonprofit so I don't, um, you know, like in that, in that tone, it's money is bad. Money is not bad if it's used for good and you are doing good. Therefore, you deserve to be paid to do good. Well, and it's such like a stigma. I'll get off my soapbox now. No, I love it because it (laughs) is such a conversation in the nonprofit space of like, because if you are paying yourself as a nonprofit Mm -hmm. CEO and you are doing this great good in the world, then every, because it's also public information, like what your salary is on your taxes, 
everyone gets to judge you if they think that's like not enough, too much, like too whatever. But you wouldn't say that to like, you're not going to say that to Sarah Blakely of Spanx. You're not going to judge no. her for what she pays for herself. You know what I mean? But if it's a nonprofit no. person, it's going to- I want to celebrate different. her for what she pays herself. Right? <laughs> like yeah. it's such a different conversation and I understand mm-hmm. it and I fall prey to it all the time because it's like you're accepting like these like kind hearted donations. And I always say it's like selling, selling for a nonprofit is like selling warm, fuzzy feelings to other people. <laughs> yep. Um, and so it just, it feels ickier and I'm definitely fall prey to that all the time of like, well, I can't pay myself because people are giving me $20 out of their wallet to help this other mission that has nothing to do with like me. And it's this weird conversation that I think a lot of nonprofit people have within, within themselves. Yeah. I can't speak from a place of I've been you, but what Mm -hmm. I can say is what matters more to you, the avoiding an uncomfortable conversation or avoiding the worry of possibly being judged by people and not making the impact you want to make or not minding those people, paying yourself fairly and making a bigger impact that you know you can make. Mm -hmm. I love it. Again, this feels like therapy to me. I love it. I love having this conversation with you. So my last question to you is going to be... Uh, Already? Oh. I know. Well, we've already been on here for like an hour. So, okay. Well, oh I've got to on that note because <laughs> we talked about... I like derailed. But because we talked about like social media, we're using it a lot. Aside from yeah. engaging with people, do you have any other like tips and tricks for people to just kind of be like growing their presence, be getting like kind of just in touch with a whole new audience if they have no idea where to start? Yeah, so this is going to maybe be a controversial uh, answer, but social media is not the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. And with my clients, a lot of them come to me and they're like, I started this business. I've had to get two other side jobs because the business isn't paying my bills. How do I get more Instagram followers? And my question for them is, are Instagram followers going to pay you money? Because if they are, that's great, but do you pay anybody who you follow on social media money? Probably not. In which case, social media is not the first priority for a business. It might not even be the second or the third. My goal and my focus with my clients is always, let's get you to make as money, <laughs> as money. Let's get you making money the easiest and the fastest way first to stabilize yourself and then figure up out how to scale. And sometimes scaling looks like developing a social media presence. Social media can be a tool for marketing and it can be a tool to bring in revenue and business depending on, you know, if you're selling $5 lip gloss, that's going to sell on Instagram faster than $10,000 coaching. But the most important thing you have in your uh, small business world, as far as bringing in income, is the community you already have. So really focus on who do I already know? What am I already connected to? And how can I strike up a real conversation with a real person over the phone to further benefiting both of us? Does that make sense? Yeah. And I didn't really answer to answer your question about how do I get visible on social? Because people are going to be like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Kylie, I still want to know how to get big on social. My answer is I don't have that answer. Like, 
You just need to be your most authentic self and engage in conversations and create consistent, interesting, valuable content. Don't be pushing out content just for the sake of having a post. But if you have something of value to share, then share it and share it in the way that you know the people who need to see it will will be able to um, take it in. Yeah. Honestly, even the first half that didn't directly answer the question, I loved it even more. So yeah, because people for like social media has put us all in a trance and we think that that is the answer to everything, but it's not, you're not your first client, your first business, uh, your first customer is not going to come from someone who follows you on social media. It might, it might, but it's probably going to be somebody that you already know for real. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to be bold and scary and actually engage with people. Yeah. You can't hide behind the screen of your phone. You have to type an email, which I guess is hiding behind a screen, but you have to engage with people one-on-one directly. And that's how you get your momentum. And then we can talk about scaling and developing marketing funnels and all those fun things that might make no sense to anybody listening. And that's fine because that's what you do once your business has hit six figures. And if it hasn't hit six figures, you don't need to worry about that yet. Gotcha. I think it's funny because I hear, I listen to all those other business podcasts that talk about those funnels and I think about it like, oh, one day, one day I'll make all these big fancy things. <laughs> when we yeah, or even like mid to high five figures. But like, yeah. if you're like, if you like only hit making a thousand dollars of revenue off of your business so far, then like depending on the product. And I understand that with nonprofits, sometimes visibility and, um, uh, just awareness is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And to that, I say, yes, it should be a part of your business strategy. It falls under the pillar of marketing and you treat it as a marketing channel but it is not something that you spend all of your time and resources on. It's just one space. I like it. All right. So my last question for you to end all interviews and wrap them all up. And I think this is fun because you're not naturally in the nonprofit world. What is your favorite way in just your day-to-day life that you're making an impact for other people? (gasps) What a beautiful question. (laughs) Um, I mean, I believe it is my business and coaching my clients. And here's why, because I work with service-based business owners. So like consultants, other coaches, freelancers, um, accountants, lawyers, people who care about people. And I know that by helping them scale their business, growing their business means they're working with more people and they're making more positive change. Hmm. That's to my core, why I know that I'm doing the right thing. And that's why I like spend way too much time on my laptop trying to <laughs> try to keep working with my clients because I know that that's the biggest impact. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is um, an, another answer. I talk way too much, but here we go. I love it. Uh, I love my nieces very, very, very much. And I think that... Um, creating quality people in this world also starts with, uh, your immediate family. And, um, I stay in touch with my family a lot. And even when I'm arguing with my parents, I still call them, you know, once a week because I care about them because the way we, the 
impact our home lives has on us has a big impact on how we show up in the world. And I just think about like my nieces and the world they're growing up in, they need to know that they have a very strong support system and that I value them. And I think that they're brilliant and kind. And um, I think raising good humans is like the most important thing anybody can be doing for this world. Absolutely. Kylie, this was such a treat. I love this. I also feel like I've never, I listened to a lot of business podcasts and I've never heard someone else talk about like just in general uh, networking, like a badass, which is definitely what we talked about today. I'm so honored. Susan, I have to say, even when I first heard about you, I really admired you. I mean, you know, starting a nonprofit in your college dorm room and it's like still functioning and it's actually thriving, you know, a decade later, that is beautiful. And that is so impressive. And so like, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time. Okay. If you can also tell people where to find you and soak up more like Kylie awesomeness in their own lives to get hyped up, please uh, pitch pitch yourself, plug yourself, whatever you want to call that. I love it. Well, first of all, to anybody listening, I want to meet you. And I know that uh, we probably can't meet IRL. So please send me an email. My email is Kylie, K-Y-L-I-E, at wingwomancollective.com. So like wingman, but I'm a woman, collective.com. Also, you can find me on Instagram at Kylie Hodges. I do weekly IGTV videos, giving business tips, and a lot of them are sales tips. Um, and you can also go to my website to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I share even more resources. Uh, my website is wingwomancollective.com. Which Basically, on those emails and they are wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> I, my newsletter community is my favorite. I give the most value there. Um, and I really do write back to people who write me. So honestly, shoot me an email. Just Google me, find me. I want to talk to you. I love it. And yeah, we'll link you um, in the show notes for this, but I just wanted you to like plug all of your things so people can come find Yeah, thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Make an Impact Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself, would you do a little rate, review, subscribe dance? And if you really enjoyed yourself, would you share this on social media so someone else could catch the impact bug? Until next time, friend, I can't wait to see what kind of impact you make on your world.